0: they tried to kill Paul. They killed all the apostles. I mean, the the Christian proclamation is at the beginning, really bad news. And it has made people murderously angry from the very beginning. Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I am here today with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Koch of St. Luke's Anglican Church in Hilton Head, South Carolina. How are you guys? Excellent. Yeah, great, Nick. Thanks. Matt, I heard haven't heard back from your people. Is there any interest in my get rich quick proposal of a preventing grace boudoir calendar featuring <laughs> photos of you and Anne podcasting and drinking tea in bed while surrounded by your menagerie of animals?
1: <laughs> I, I I must have missed that suggestion. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. Um, but I can tell you my wife would probably not be not be acceptable. We're not
0: they should not find those terms acceptable? I'm envisioning like with, with the comforters all the way up to your chins, but like yeah, like, just like just... the
2: Amish, like bundling sex. That's what you sleep in. Is no, you sleep in some weird, some strange. No, we got we have this. We have this we got, you sleep like this, a like a, a, new like Japanese. A twenty-two bachelor. year old, like a twenty-two year old
1: bachelor. Like I'm picturing <laughs> like, it's like a mattress. No, it's awesome. Room. Okay, you 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 should get. You should throw away your bed and throw away your bed frame. Get <laughs> get a Japanese, not a futon like the futons in the baseline of America, but these are like two inch thick Japanese mattress. It's like called a tatami mat, right? Yeah, tatami mat. Yeah, and then and then stick a like maybe maybe, maybe one memory foam layer over that, and <laughs> and that's this. I found the secret to to sleeping and not waking up with aching backs or anything like this. So you should do this. It's great, and you should up I always up thought the, you you slung, buy, you man. would sleep in one of those like zero gravity, like
2: hanging from your like hanging boots, like upside <laughs> down. <laughs> I don't know. I just have these thoughts about what's going on with the, the preparation for your one giant meal, you know. And then you get up at four and go for a walk, and you know you got the, <laughs> these rhythms. Well, I'm glad it fixed your back. That's good.
1: Yeah, uh, that's good. Uh, you I'm should you
2: should get 51. them to sponsor. You could get you could get them to sponsor the the calendar.
0: Uh <laughs> all, all you see is your heads and your hands holding the teapot and your china and there's animals all around. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And brought to you by the two what was it called? Suzaki mat? Tatami. Tatami, Tatami. Tatami.
2: mat. Yeah. mat.
1: <laughs> they right. should pay us because we've been telling a lot of people
2: about this thing. I could take off of, I saw Mr. Baseball, you know, about how <laughs> nice. Americans go overseas and play uh so you salad, could you could yeah. be
0: a real big hit. Right. And your second career overseas mm-hmm. in the Asian markets. <laughs> and JD, you are installed as rector. Now you're official, right?
2: I am. That's right. We are. How was uh, that service? Uh, we bishop official. Um, it was wonderful. It was great. It's online. If anyone's interested, I mean, I don't like watching church online. So if you don't go, I won't blame you, but, but it was, um, for posterity, Ted Duval came down from, uh, my old rector from, um, uh christ church and preached a great sermon i mean it's it's a little bit like a, a wedding service i mean it actually was sort of a kind of a wedding sermon but instead of you know husband and wife it was rector and church yeah. but you yeah. know, there's a lot of similarities to that and and i had um you know it was, it was emotional and meaningful and touching and all the things i mean it was um it was an appropriate glorious end to a fairly long process i mean it's been about it was almost a year ago that i even started the application process and then um so it's sort of the end of a long uh wonderful uh but very thorough process so here we are so yeah we're now i keep joking it's like you know it's for better or worse goes both ways in this situation here so here here we go but but it's been great i've been enjoying i've been fired back up the rectors forum which i like to do and you know getting to preach a little bit longer um which is what they're used to and uh, as i have said before i've really enjoyed the the musicianship that they have at the church and and it's great we're sort of getting used to being island people um you know so it's uh there's definitely an island time you know there's an island life for I me mean, there's a lot of people that come here and they are uh, not uh rushing anymore mm-hmm. in their lives
0: and so um
2: but it's been great it's been great thanks for asking
0: yeah cool well you go with our prayers out into the ministry on Hilton Head Island Amen. So have you all been able to escape the winsomeness discourse? I, I was going to say that it's back, <laughs> but I'm not sure it ever left. Um, a big deal on the internet these last few days is uh, a reemergence, I guess I would say, of this winsomeness topic. This idea with this time with a very particular defense, um, Phil Vischer, creator of VeggieTales, suggested on Twitter that one biblical argument for so-called winsomeness as opposed to doctrinal rigor is that Jesus clashed consistently with Pharisees. Now, in Vischer's telling, love wins out over doctrine because the Pharisees were nothing if not pure in their doctrine, right? (laughs) To use his phrase, they kept the law to a T. In other words, it was the law keepers that Jesus got mad at. Not the law breakers. Now, our own Ann Kennedy wrote a wonderful article about this on Stand Firm, but we thought it was worth discussing at length here too. You guys, this is a very common idea. I think that Jesus is not interested in how well we keep the law, but in how well we love our fellow man. You're What's tried. the problem You're with that formulation?
1: The only way you get there is if you excise Mark seven and Matthew fifteen from your Bible, because in those two chapters, with actually Mark, Matthew's just a uh, uh, taking what Mark has written, and, and well, whoever you think did it first. Anyway, both those chapters <laughs> deal with uh, deal with Jesus's confrontation with the Pharisees over the question of the the tradition of the elders, and and right. in there Jesus points out that the the Pharisees have taken the tradition of the elders and elevated those traditions. Uh, so that they have actually superseded the scriptures and that and that these traditions have become for them the law of God. And, and the, the nature of those traditions was such that it actually by following them, you ended up disobeying in certain ways in violating the law of God. So the, the example that Jesus gives and when he's talking to the Pharisees, is the Corban law, where, you, uh, where the, the law of God says, honor your father and your mother. But the the tradition of the elders allowed someone to devote or dedicate uh, right. a certain amount of his stuff to the temple and never have to help his help his uh, his mother and his father. So he was pointing out how there's a contradiction there. But um, the larger point, and I think this is this is borne out, is what the Pharisees did was they they with the with the law of the tradition of the elders is they they externalized the the law of God. So yeah. So God says, rest on the Sabbath. The Pharisees took uh, that law. How and... many
0: steps does yeah, that mean?
1: Exactly. Yeah, so, right. so now, and it seems burdensome. And it is burdensome, but what they did with it, but you could also do it. You could also right. like, if you, if you could say it's actually a lowering. Right. If I did, if I do only 2000 steps here, 2000 cubits, walk 2000 cubits in the Sabbath, I have now rested on the Sabbath and I haven't plucked any, uh, any wheat from the, from the grain field out in the back. So, Hey, I am doing, I am fulfilling this law. And what happens is you never have to set, take the law and apply it to your own heart. Right. So the, so the, the, the what the, what the uh, tradition of the elders was, was actually a, a, a great defense and a shield against the, the power of That's the, right, law. the accusation of the law. That's right. right. To convict right. the sinner and to bring the sinner to repentance, and that's what Jesus was upset about. He was really mad, not because they were following the law, because they didn't even hear the law anymore, because their traditions deafened them to it. That's right. I mean, and that's
2: that was precisely what the reformers saw in the late medieval uh, Catholic sort of uh, soteriological system. They saw the same the, the accretion of these varieties of laws that were not biblical, that were not um, defensible from the scripture. I was just teaching about this with one we through the Third Nine Articles in uh, various places here. But you saw the same sort of clarifying and leveling effect that Jesus brought over against the Pharisees um, that you saw when the Bible was brought back into the life of the church. Because all of a sudden, the, the traditions of men, as it were, that had been um, manipulative and, and were, were sort of elevating those, those that could, quote-unquote, do it over against those who couldn't, were exposed as being lies, or, or, the, or at the very least not, not elevated to the level of, thus saith the Lord, And so it was an incredibly freeing thing that jesus was bringing i mean the fact that tax collectors and sinners were flocking to him you know these were tax collectors and sinners that were that were being judged and and sort of enumerated by those 638 extra laws you know and jesus was was not flagrantly we know he he himself was not frequently violating his own law and by extension we believe that his you know we obviously think his disciples were following in his footsteps and so you know, it was in the famous interaction with the, with the working and healing on the, on the Sabbath. You know, we see that he says, well, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You know, and this is, that's right, right? Yeah. <laughs> <that the> okay, <laughs> I was like, I, those are the type of things that I very quickly would reverse, strike that, reverse it. But at any rate, you see this, you know, you see by the time the Pharisees, by the time John the Baptist arrives and the Pharisees, you know, and the scribes were in power, the entire purpose and promise of who Jesus was going to be, the Messiah, had been reversed. And so instead of Jesus, well, instead of embracing him as the promised seed of Abraham that was going to open the promise to not just the Jews, but to the world, the Pharisees were very threatened by this because they had developed a Um, a system whereby there was very clear guidelines and they were the gatekeepers and so jesus was just breaking down all these gates in preparation for what he would then send his disciples to the end of the earth to proclaim not just to the jew but to the gentile and that was what the the pharisees problem was not that they were so legalistic or so doctrinaire it's that they were they were following a a system that they had they had ultimately just developed themselves and so i think you know back to what phil Vischer said it's always You know this 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 superficial understanding of what the Pharisees were was like the mean legalists. You know they were the ones that from like the the principal from Footloose. Like he's a Pharisee. You know, whereas the minister uh, from Footloose, he's definitely a Pharisee. And um and you know to a certain degree there's some truth in that with respect to the following laws of your own devising and then calling yourself righteous. You know I mean this is what uh, this is what Pharisees did. But uh, to somehow juxtapose Pharisees over against the the, the true meaning of Jesus, which would somehow not be interested in the law at all, is, is just a, a fallacy. It's erroneous. It's, it's, it's easily... Debunked at a, at a very quick level, and yet it's it's perpetuated. I mean, I thought it was funny that somebody referenced. I think it was Megan Bashan's interaction with Phil, and they were like, "Oh, look, I, a journalist getting schooled by a biblical scholar." And I was like,
0: <laughs> it like, a, like is, "I was like, a, well, I don't know, he's like the first,
2: the, the voice of Larry, cartoonist, right?" <laughs> uh, but, but it's it a, a lot.
0: <laughs> so I, wouldn't you guys okay. say that it's a false dichotomy anyway? This idea that we should be about love and not about the law love is a law that's love the right. oh lord your law. god with like, all your is... heart soul mind and strength and love <laughs> your neighbor as yourself that's the law and that's a that's, that's a exactly really right. dangerous is... that's a
1: dangerous road that he's heading down by by juxtaposing those two things because that's precisely the, the dichotomy that the people on the who are pushing different sexual identities are, are also using um the idea that that lo- love I, we can only suppose, and in, in, in Vischer's imagination is has come to mean something like unconditional affirmation, or that's right. or or acceptance, and and that's never the love in in the scriptures. Love is always doing good, pouring yourself out, sacrificing yourself for the good, the true good of the other, and that good is always defined by God. So, um, so to love your neighbor who's involved in some kind of sin would would could not be affirmation. If you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you affirm that, you're actually hating your neighbor biblically.
0: You're, if you accept that, you're, you're doing harm to them. And even something as simple as charity, that's loving, but it is the law. To love yes, is yeah. to obey
1: the law, right? So, so that that's all. That's all you know, you, that this goes to. I think maybe what you're getting at is the the confusion that you hear from Michael Curry and others who, uh, who will say, you know, the gospel is love God, love your neighbor. Right? <laughs> right. So, so if so <laughs> yeah, we just, we yeah, that's, that, right. that's that's the good like, news. That's exactly the oh Lord. And and that's that's that's, that's right. the horrible good news. news. That's the awful law. news. That's awful news. That's awful news because well, no, but that's if, why that the modern Pharisees right. Yeah. Right. Because you can't do that. You, 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 have, you have, you don't even come close to approaching.
0: That's um, an announcement that'll drive you to your knees. Loving
1: God yeah. or loving your neighbor as you ought. And so you're always guilty. If that's, if that's the gospel, you have no but, relief. And that's, and that's
2: precisely the, the, I mean, why the modern Phariseeism is, you know, define the law the way that you want to call the law, the gospel and make people you know, think that doing that is somehow loving. I mean, that's what, that's exactly what the Pharisees, were doing. you know, they were thought that they were following the laws because they were happy since they had created them themselves. And so you have these laws, the new laws of whatever, you know, the, the current fad of, um, you know, the sort of leftward um, drift is, and our church celebrates this, and you have to get in line, and this is what we we stand behind. And if that's not loving, then I don't know what is. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> the, the You don't love, know what is. <laughs> that's right. The law is very clearly defined in the Bible, and that is what will convict, and that is what you're absolved from in the confession and absolution. And then you're free to 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 figure out what loving your neighbor looks like in the redeemed life of, of, of the kingdom of God. I mean, that's that's what... I was talking the other day with someone about this, you know, the actual forgiven person Who who hears the law of God rightly spoken in their lives confesses, repents, and believes. Then is inoculated, or at least this is what we're hoping for, against these claimants to the throne of law and saying, "Well, that you know, show me where the Bible that's wrong. Tell me where God has spoken on this." And if he hasn't, well, then, you know, you're you cannot bind my conscience in a way that the Holy Spirit is already freed. And that's the freedom of the Christian. You know, we've talked about this for years now when the racial things and the political things and all of these various laws of the scribes and Pharisees have been placed upon um, tender hearted, um, soft conscience, you know, what Paul would say, weak in faith people. And, you know, in part, we're, we're trying to strengthen and defend people to say this is where the law speaks and it speaks loudly and it speaks decisively and it will kill you. But when it has killed you, then you are raised to the new life of faith as a forgiven believer, and you, you can't be killed from... again. <laughs> That's exactly right. You are free, and you know these people want to just impose, like Jesus says, want to put back on the very things that you yourself can't do. You know, it's like we're going to tie a millstone around people's necks, and and we see it all the time, particularly on Twitter, when you have sort of moderate, quote unquote, progressive Christians just punching down, as we'll say, to the the people that they consider their their societal um, inferiors or something, um, you know, in the hopes that somehow they'll get more bylines of the New York times or whatever. And it's, um, it's just so obvious and sad. And I just love to watch it play out because it it will never ultimately satisfy uh, there won't be this argument won't be won because it's not fundamentally a Christian argument. And so Christian people will see through it and will just reject it.
0: I thought it was interesting that you brought up Bishop Michael Curry there, Matt, the, Episcopal Church, of which he is presiding bishop, commissioned a study and the results came back earlier this year and um, apparently people think that Christians are hypocrites. This is something that we've all <laughs> known for a long time. You know, every priest in every movie or show is the villain and a liar and worse. So this is no surprise to anybody. Except for the but...
2: guy in the Mindy Kaling show. Oh, that really? I remember? I don't know that show. Remember he was like cool and hip and then he like I think they had like a romantic uh, affair um, during the, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> anyway, sorry.
0: In response to these survey results, Curry suggested that the church had a lot of work to do. And I'm, I'm sure that's just sort of a normal sentence to say in light of that, but I thought it was interesting that he did put it in terms of work to do. And I thought that that made a nice connection with the, this idea of these new Pharisees confusing love and the law because when <laughs> when the church is seen as hypocritical and the church hears that and says I must have better work I have to do that's a complete misunderstanding of the actual problem the problem is that you're not as good as you ought to be the problem is that you're not proclaiming the t- truth of God that's right of who you yeah, actually
1: I, are. I, um, I think probably what happens is people get confused about what the, what Jesus means when he's attacking the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. Um, he's not upset that they hold to values, they believe values that they don't live up to. I mean, because that describes everybody. Right. I mean, that's that, what that, that, we actually that's a, preach. That, that's every every atheist, every agnostic, every whoever you are listening to this, whether you're a Christian or not. Um, you are, and if you think that's hypocrisy, not living up to the values you, you promote, then you're a hypocrite. Everyone's hypocrite in that sense. Of course, because, but the Christian most especially would want, I would want to claim I'm a total hypocrite. I believe, I believe that I ought to love the Lord, my God with all my heart all my soul, all my strength, all my mind. And I don't do that for a second. And I believe that I should, I should, I should have only pure and holy and good thoughts and merciful thoughts and compassionate thoughts about people around me. And I do that very rarely. Um, at least at least in a pure sense. And it's an actual um,
0: miracle right. when we do.
1: It's an actual miracle when we do. So so that's that's not what Jesus was upset about. He was not upset that they were not living in accordance with their beliefs. He was upset that they that they didn't recognize that, right? They were that's presenting right. themselves as righteous when they were unrighteous. That's the that's, that's right. the that's the hypocrisy. If I were to say, oh be like me because i love the lord my god with all my heart on my soul on all my, all my and mind that would be hypocrisy
0: and that's if curry's say, mistake that's right. curry's mistake because yeah. he's he's hearing an accurate yes we we say one thing and we don't live up to it and the answer to that is not live up higher right it's speak it's the, the, the truth acknowledge yeah Right. It, it's so, and so the, this all goes back to Augustine's, you know,
1: wonderful picture of the church as a hospital, right? The, the church, the church, the, the, the church is the place where people who know they don't live up to what is right go to find forgiveness and healing and salvation right. through Jesus Christ. And and the, and the, the only people who are, um, I mean, really using this Jesus's definition of hypocrites, the only people who really are hypocrites are those who are not going to that hospital because that's right that's because right. because they're the ones who are claiming we're fine we're we're okay we're righteous we're we're good enough right and then and jesus would always exactly say oh, right no you're not right
0: and there have been christians <sighs> yeah, I mean, who c- claim that but they're wrong yeah right. Right. and there are people and there are
2: modern the, the true modern pharisees are the are or in the church at least are the christians who would claim exactly as you said Matt. like because we do xyz here at this church we are somehow more righteous in ourselves than people that don't and of course there have been you know examples of that down through the ages but that is not the that is not the way the church has been perpetuated down through the ages because the 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 true church you know uh, the one that has uh, persisted by the power of the spirit is simply full of forgiven sinners you know that's that's all it is and so um if you're not comfortable with being called a sinner you know if you're not comfortable being uh praying the in, in our tradition you know the prayer of humble access every single week if not every day Well, then, you know, chances are you might be a Pharisee, you know, like, are we the bad
0: guys? If you're that person, if you're that person who every Good Friday wishes you didn't have to say crucify him, crucify him, because really it's inappropriate and you wouldn't have said that if you were there. Jeff Foxworthy has news. You might be a hypocrite. (laughs)
2: We've had people say that. We know we know I know this person about (laughs) whom Nick is speaking, but uh (laughs) but we've had people, you know, but if you go back and read the history, for instance, of the 79 prayer book, go back and read, and there's a number of different books. I'm blanking on the titles, but I I can see them in my library. You'll see that one of the moves for particularly the right to service in the Episcopal in the the 79 prayer book was to get rid of this penitential uh dower. Ah, uh, bloody language, because, as someone quoted, uh, and and I could find it, you know, we are worthy, you know, or at least we're not so unworthy as to gather up the crumbs. You know, this was the offensive aspect of this proclamation of the law to its highest degree into the life of progressive people that it was um it was eradicated. And so what do you get when a generation that has never been had to confront, Every single Sunday, uh, I'm not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but thou, thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Let us eat, you know, his blood, his flesh and drink his blood so that our sinful bodies can be cleaned by his body and our souls washed. I mean, that is, that is, um, if you pray that prayer and, and you have any sense of, of awareness of yourself, of meaning it, uh, well,
1: then you, you're not the fair, you're not the problem. Uh, in, I'll in tell the, you. Yeah, the, I mean, I'll tell you what you get after a couple of generations of not praying that prayer is you get sermons from the pulpit about how the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, um, who uh, said she right. would eat the crumbs off the table if only the Lord be merciful to her, how she taught Jesus a lesson about how how wonderful that's she exactly was. Right. 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 So, so that, that you don't you, that, you get that, sermons. Do you, yeah. do you remember the one with Paul when
2: he when he exorcised mm-hmm. the demon from the the woman? <laughs> he was somehow like imposing his will on her livelihood or something. And this
1: is just, that was a different story it. oh my goodness yes
2: yeah, that you it. can't even make this up but i that think was... you know here's 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 the problem is that and i don't understand these people who have children who don't see this more clearly like no one would ever think as a parent that it is loving to simply say you do you you know you go like you go your own way i mean fleetwood mac can sing it but like we're not uh this is not love like it's the it's 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 hate you know, you know i mean, Jamie, difference i don't is, i don't know that
1: is, i don't I, you're, you're you're i think you're talking into a 1990s reality i don't think that's true anymore <laughs> i mean i mean i i don't yeah think, i mean you know, well, i don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of parents who are not christian parents and even some christian parents i don't think that the parents think that way anymore i think you know that, well the, i'm the basic, talking about
2: christian parents right well, maybe i don't know it's just I, hard mean, for I think me the to,
1: idea basically is these little persons are beautiful and wonderful and what we've got to do is shelter them from outside influences and let them blossom in their own wonderfulness and that means not imposing our own values our own rules on them and letting them kind of flow into their own selves
2: so that would be and your, your, then, yeah. your yeah. noble savage from yeah, your book, yeah yeah yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. From but more, so many of the
0: parents them. even who say that are in the meantime imposing their values like they're well, sheltering their it. they're right. sheltering <laughs> their kids from the world and letting them bloom into whatever they might be until they touch a truck and then they must be a boy, or until they play with a Barbie and then they must be a girl. <laughs> that's a girl. And that's yeah. just an imposition of another kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you
2: know, we have. Yeah, you know, when they're taking, you know, they're they're indoctrinated. Well, they're teaching, and forming the children in the way that they want them to go. Just as you said, Nick. I mean, I had friends of ours who you know had a picture of like their you know six month old and some sort of pride jumper who was like you know so and so is it the first their first pride parade ever and i'm like well right. this is no different than my picture of a six year old six month old in a little uh, bassinet at church you know i was like we're just choosing to worship different gods here this is what's happening and you know i was listening to a podcast the other day it was talking about the, the the myth of neutrality i think that's being revealed and when when we were thinking we were naive at least i was in college that somehow it would be non-Christians would just be sort of indifferent to me. But I I think what has been revealed is what we see all particularly through the Old Testament um, is that the people with within or around whom we live um, are no less religious. They just worship different things. And if you deign to blaspheme their gods, like look out, yeah. you know, and this is where this is the, the world that we are quickly um, inhabiting, at least here in, in the West. And I think, you know, all of this conversation about what love is outside the church looking in is essentially people saying, we we think it's loving when you just tell us uh, that anything and everything we're doing is fine. And so if you don't tell us that, well, then we're going to point to something you're doing wrong and call you hypocrites and then continue to defend why we don't go to church. It's like, well... You know, that's um I mean that we can't stop you from doing that, but I certainly don't care, or at least I'm not gonna read a survey of non-Christian people and their complaints about the church that doesn't involve um, you know, the fundamental proclamation of the of the church, which is that you know, Romans you know, that he's crucified for our sins and raised for our justification. Like that. If you have a problem you don't if you have a problem with other things um then we could talk but fundamentally that will be what continues to enrage and and provoke you know the law will provoke wrath until it kills finally and
1: you're raised to the new life of faith and that's I mean, just that, what we're seeing all around that's that's a really good point and, and this is this is why uh, going back to what uh, you were saying earlier nick this is why the, the winsome thing or the winsome thing comes in because there, some in the church think well the problem is we're just not we're not nice enough we're not we're not articulating the things you know in a in a way that that people will perceive as affirming or acceptable and so they're just turning us off and we just need to be you know kind of go but the, the, that's not the problem I mean we could be you can be as nice as you want um but we've reached a point in our culture where where base essential christian doctrines where the faith, basic faith commitments the christians have are so offensive um to those around us that you can you know you can put on you know and, and you could you could put on the mr rogers outfit with a nice soft sweater and, and <laughs> nice shoes and you could sit down with your trolley and say and the little puppets and say well here's what jesus says and they're gonna and they're gonna they will think you are a hater and that you don't love that's
0: right i mean they tried to kill paul they killed all the apostles i mean the the, <laughs> the christian proclamation is at the beginning really bad news and it has made people murderously angry from the very beginning there's just no way around that i've been
2: fighting this i feel like since i was in college because i was around a group of people and i love young life and i think it's done some a lot of good uh you know i think there's some limitations at any rate you know there was this mantra that you know win the right to be heard right so you had to like somehow be friends. And I was like, I understand what you're saying, insofar as you don't just walk up like a street preacher and you know say repent and turn. I mean, although that has some success <laughs> throughout human history. But but what they were trying to say, you know, what I kept pointing out to them was like, listen, here's the Christian message is that your soul is in eternal peril until unless you repent and believe in Jesus. So like how long do you think uh, you're going to wait before you spring this like rather important information on them? And then how do you expect that relationship to change? You know, if you've had this relationship with someone for, I don't know, months or years even, and then all of a sudden they're like, wait, what? You believe what? You you didn't tell me what? It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you that um, I actually believe that your soul has been in mortal peril for the past two years. And I just kind of was working up the courage to tell you. It's like either uh, way. Right. Yeah, by by the way, you know it's like those surveys that people do. They're like, "What's your favorite color?" You know, where? uh, What's the last movie you saw? If you died today, where would you go? It's like, wait, wait, what? But the point is. The point is that we need to be, and we have instructions. If only there was a book inspired by God that would give us, you know, uh, carefully divinely curated uh, sort of practicals from various churches down through the ages that we could somehow look to. Because you would then hope that there was a guy named Peter who would be writing under duress and persecution to his his congregation, encouraging them to not only pray for those who are persecuting them, but to be prepared in season and out with a ready defense for the hope that they had and do so with gentleness and respect so that if they dismiss or when they dismiss them, that it wouldn't be on account of their, um, as it were, their flesh, but it would be for the actual reasons that, that they're, they're wrestling with. And so, you know, I keep going back to that because I, and I tell my congregation this all the time, like try as best you can to be as nice as you can, particularly with your unbelieving friends. I mean, you don't want to have, you know, be the Christian, um the known christian in your neighborhood who has like you know always hears the screams coming out of their house or doesn't cut their grass or like doesn't pay up at the you know h-o-l like get all that out of the way so that when they actually do get mad at you as peter says it will be for the offense of the gospel i mean that's what it will be and so again i don't do that perfectly um uh and i but i do endeavor to do so because i know that i can be as nice and winsome and smiling and a sophisticated. I mean, I thought I thought once I got a PhD, somehow I would be um, you know, immediately respected amongst unbelieving people, if only because I could do something in German, you know. But that's just that was a joke too. They're like, you know, I had someone say like, um, they were it was a secondhand offensive comment that's for whatever reason they wanted to share with me. But they're like, Yeah, my my unbelieving friend I've been talking to says, you know, it doesn't matter if you if you write a PhD on the spaghetti monster in German or not, it's still just as ridiculous. And I was like, well, thank you for sharing that with me. I guess. <laughs> but at any rate, like it was instructive because I said, that's exactly what an unbelieving world will continue to use to defend itself against the actual claims of God over against sinners. And so, you know, we pray and trust John or the higher priesthood prayer that the, that the Holy spirit will bring conviction you know, that will bring, um, that will win, win unleashed by the power of the word. And we will watch that initial conviction manifest in anger and and resentment and a or, or rejection and, um, you know, how dare you, you're so mean. But that is always in service of the final killing blow because the biggest enemy to the gospel that I get worried about is not anger or, or a provocation, but just simply indifference. Like if your heart is so hardened, and you are so callous to sin that even a direct proclamation of the law, you just sort of laugh it off. Well, then you're in serious trouble, you know, but if you're someone that is still wrestling with, with their sin, and the Holy spirit has got in your ear, um, well, then there's hope. So come at, you know, come at me, tell me, you know, why is this, that, why would a good guy do this? These are all, these are all hopeful questions because it means that there's something going on. And that's what I keep encouraging people is like, don't, don't take the anger initially or at least, you know, the dismissal as, um, as a losing battle, just take, you just continue to pray, continue to gently lovingly defend the hope that you have, you know, well, here's son, this is why I believe marriage should be relegated to a man and a woman. Here's why I think that, um, you know, abortion should be, um, you know, eradicated. Here's why certain crimes should be prosecuted this way, the other way. Like, here's why, like, you know, I just want you to know, and I love you. And we're just going to keep having this conversation. Like that's the work of the Christian. And it can be as winsome as it can be, but it will still send sinners, you know, scurrying behind trees, defending themselves against yeah. the accusation of God until that accusation is seen taken on their behalf in Christ. And which then it becomes, um, well, it becomes a new life. It becomes an um, entirely different, <laughs> entirely different world. Um, you know, some would say you would even feel like
1: you have been born again. Well, you, you can draw a straight line um, from the Pharisees to the, the present culture. I mean, the, the, the Pharisees uh, establishing their own traditions in order to, to, to shield themselves from the force of the law um, okay. is there's there's no there's no there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's a, um, a surface difference, but the substance is the same as the person who says, "Well, you know, deep down, I'm really golden. Deep down." What my desires are, what I'm given, and in, in, to love and to do, to desire to do, those are the real me, and that's from God. It's it's a pure, holy, and it's the people outside of me who are who are trying to keep me from doing what would want me to do, what, what I would want to do, or what you know I've been created to do, or whatever. It might be those are the people who are really um, who are really wrong. Both are, just, but both the Pharisees and the modern secular or even Christian person taking the, the present route right. are both just working on different variations of self-justification. How, right. how you self-justify either by, you know, creating the Pharisees, create this external law that they are external regulations they can follow, or you just, you just ignore the external world and anything that might crit- critique you and say, you are pure and holy and the world That's needs right. to conform to who you are.
2: That's right. And they're using so, the law in the same way as to heap cold or to heap burdens, on the, or the more sensitive, you know, the kind of the more, um, the, the, well, I think that's the right word. And we saw this, of course, all when the church and all the social justice things, you have these, these quote unquote, Christian leaders, uh, shaming people in their congregations for being all these terrible things, racists and misogynists and homophobes and yeah. Christian nationalists. And, you know, the list, just gets longer and longer. And it was, um, you know, by what standard, you know, who said, who, who, who told you you were these things, you know, look, and, and. And yeah. and they, and you saw the same the same dynamic is that these people were were being um, abused and bludgeoned by the, the the leaders that were purportedly there to protect them. And it's again, I think it's a really good point, Matt, that it's it's really it's just a, a a difference of degree, not kind, of what Jesus was standing up against when he was here on earth.
0: It seems like the twin pithy statement versions of what Phil Vischer's trying to get at here are on the one hand love them till they ask you why and what he means be nice to them and so nice that somebody says why are you being so nice to me (laughs) when loving somebody may actually involve telling them that their soul is bound for eternal hell unless they repent and believe in the gospel the other pithy saying that i have in my head is um i'm told falsely attributed to certainly apocryphal the uh, saying commonly, though wrongly attributed to St. Francis, that we should preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. It's always necessary because your life of proclamation is only preaching the need for a savior, not the coming of one. Right.
1: Well, I mean, it, it also that, that's I, mean, I think that's probably every preacher's pet peeve. Saying when that ever comes out, me, just that that false Saint Francis attribution, it just drives me insane. But I mean, what 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 actually happens though is it it helps the person justify himself, right? Because if hey. Look, That's, right. Um, That's right. We have a soup kitchen and I serve in the soup kitchen. So I'm preaching the gospel by me being a good person. And what actually happens is when I'm serving the soup kitchen and people say, Thank you. You're so, you're doing so, what so, you're being so nice. You're so wonderful. What you, this is, you are getting the praise, right? You, you're, you're, you are being exalted. Your good works are being displayed. You're getting the glory. That's right. That's right. And you are helping yourself. You're, you're justifying yourself um, before men. And also, probably you may, you may even think if you, if that phrase is one of your favorites, maybe you're also justifying yourself before God on the basis of these works. You're not showing the love of Jesus unless you actually talk about Jesus. Say <laughs> the reason we're beating you or, is yeah. because Jesus saved me from my sins. I was I was I was starving and right. near death but Jesus gave me the they gave me grace and fed me um with his body <laughs> yeah. and plate and brought me out of life. So here here's this and uh, now
0: I can't help but do right. anything <laughs> right.
1: else.
2: Right, right. That's <laughs> right. right. Yeah I mean theoretically the closest you could come to preaching the gospel gospel with your with your life would be once because you would have to take a convicted death row inmate and like stand in his stead um at his execution and that would be like the closest you could <laughs> do once and then in, even then it wouldn't be it wouldn't be sufficient. it wouldn't be proclamatory would right, <laughs> so, it was like well if you really i trying to think about it, if you really could somehow that would be as close as you could get and even then it would be insufficient so you'd be feeling pretty pretty foolish up there with old St. Peter at the gates, but at any rate, um, no, you're exactly right there, Matt. That's why progressive churches, quote unquote churches, mainline across the board, across the world, are so easily um, manipulated into um, sort of, we well, should say like, um, well, social justice causes and things, because it is a it is mistaken understanding of it's a, it's a Christless gospel or a crossless gospel um, that is actually relatively easy to, to feel not only justified, but to feel self-sacrificial in, um, because it's often, you know, middle, upper middle-class people, um, you know, papering over their guilt and, and shame with, um, you know, another orphanage in Africa, another water project here, another, which are all good things, but it's, um, to, to your point, it's not the gospel and it's, um, it's allowing people to perpetuate this misunderstanding that the, the law of god i.e. love is somehow the good news and that is the good news but only when it's seen as fulfilled in christ for sinners and that's um will be a perpetual misunderstanding that we'll will obviously continue to address but we'll see manifest i think in every generation of the church which is one of the reasons we have been called to um, to point it out
0: our sermons consist of bad news and good news <laughs> that's right
2: well somebody once wrote a book on the distinction
0: between those two things <laughs> law and gospel. I don't know. There's been a couple out there yeah, over, the, over the years. One or two. <laughs> Check them out. Well, thank you as always for listening to Stand Firm this week. If you would like to keep the conversation going, you can be in touch with us, rate and review the podcast on iTunes, or send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com, or you can join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Thanks to JD Koch and Matt Kennedy. I'm Nick Lannon, and Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm.